Hey, welcome. You are listening to Mood Unfiltered with my podcast partner, Richard Maya, and I am Tiffany Wicks. Um, and we have a special guest for you today. We're just so excited that she's here. And so I'm going to allow her to introduce herself. Um, go ahead, Miss Priya. <laughs> okay, thanks, Tiffany. Thank you, Richard. Super excited to be here. Uh, my name is Priya Singhvi. I am the Director of Clinical Operations and Lead Therapist at Ray. Um, I'm a licensed professional counselor, licensed marriage and family therapist, um, and have a whole host of, of other things on the side that I love doing. Um, but super pumped to talk to you all today about Ray and VR therapy and the future of telehealth. Yes, thank you again for being here and um, all of the the, the letters that go behind your name. Um, and so, uh, Priya, we're just going to kind of jump right in. What is VR therapy? Yeah, so I'll start with what VR stands for, <laughs> virtual okay. reality. So some of your listeners may know about virtual reality. A lot of folks, when I ask them, they say, oh, yeah, I did this immersive thing in Vegas. Um, or my teen, uh, my teenager has an Oculus and, and plays with virtual reality. So VR stands for virtual reality. Um, and the cool thing about VR is that it offers the ability to create a safe virtual space um, for patients or clients to work through really difficult situations and then translate that immediately into the real world. So we've seen a ton of research that shows that it's a really impactful way to treat conditions associated with anxiety, fear, and trauma, um, similar to like prolonged exposure or exposure therapy, because it uses virtual environments that trigger those sort of activating behaviors. Um, so they may then cause new neural connections, right? So our brain is extremely plastic. Um, and so oftentimes our brain believes what it sees. And so if you're able to work through some of those hard things in virtual reality, it translates over to real life. Um, and with Ray, our clinically validated virtual reality therapy um, is built on decades of research. Um, I was surprised to learn this, that um, the clinical psychology department in Oxford University has been doing this for years and years. Um, and so our modality is built on research by our scientific founder, Dr. Daniel Freeman at Oxford University. Wow, that's incredible. I mean, you're talking about, you know, decades of research, like just knowing that this is coming to fruition is super exciting. Very much so. And the main goal is um, I've always been drawn to looking at newer modalities of therapy, non-traditional modes of therapy. And so this felt like a really good fit because um, it also has a, a ton of research behind it um, and the ultimate goal of helping people get better faster, which is super exciting. Yeah, that's incredible. Hey, I have a question. Um, so I was watching one of the videos that's featured on Ray's website. It was a BBC video that what? they were featuring. I was showing one of the... Uh, participants of the trial of like this experiment how he's scared of heights he's extremely scared of looking at things up top and I was watching and I was and they put on they put a VR a VR set on him and he was simulating environments where he's like up top where he's trying to experience like new how to handle new heights and this would be considered a form of exposure therapy which helps with clients people and just anyone in general to be able to like role rehearse how they would act in certain environments where they feel a lot more anxious. But as you can see, like with VR therapy and like in-person therapy, there's key differences between the two. Um, Priya, what are some specific differences where between VR therapy and 
in-person therapy that you can kind of highlight the two? Yeah, absolutely. I think probably the three biggest pieces are um, with VR, we can be there for you when the client needs us the most, right? The other piece is um, we can have a much greater scalability and that we can offer more personalized treatment. So I'll go into each one of those. So um, the cool thing about VR is that it takes telehealth to the next level, right? So we knew in the pandemic, being able to hop on Zoom and access therapy, um, increased access to care made it more convenient. Um, but that still requires synchronous time together with a therapist, right? Um, the really interesting and cool thing about using technology leverage care like VR is that it takes telehealth to the next level. So it allows us to provide people with the therapy that they need when and where they are and when they need it. So we have care pathways where they can, where patients can autonomously use it. We certainly have criteria to make sure that they feel safe and um, in a good space to be able to do that on their own, but allows patient or allows our therapists to treat patients in the situation they were trying to work through um, right there. So like, for example, um, war vets being able to work through the battlefield, right? Rather than simply talking about it in a clinical setting, which, you know, as therapists, we know that really addresses the left side of the brain. This really gets into the right side of the brain and being able to experience it. Um, so that's really cool. And it's been really empowering for our members that they kind of can, can take autonomy and agency over their own treatment plan. If they have um, the functioning and the skills to be able to, that they can do engagement points in between the synchronous parts with a therapist. Um, the greater scale is what really was intriguing for me too. Um, obviously we saw in the pandemic, the needs um, and the mental health crises that were just exacerbated um, and we don't have enough clinicians. There's definitely a supply demand mismatch. So um, through Ray, we're able to deliver evidence-based therapy at scale using automated technology like VR to free up clinicians' valuable time, right? So um, I'm able to spend time with patients when they need it most synchronously while the technology can sort of help them take care of other engagement points. Um, the reality is there will never be enough high quality providers to meet the growing demand for mental health services. Um, and this is obviously even exacerbated by the pandemic. Um, and the thing that makes us different than even telehealth is that um, telehealth still requires on the same pool of providers that are slowly dwindling, right? Texas in particular has a huge supply and demand mismatch, um, which is part of why um, our launch site is in Texas. Um, and VR has the ability to scale that delivery of high quality therapy to more people. There's tons of amazing research on um, telehealth and um, digital health technologies and, and being able to help folks feel better faster. Um, and then the last point that I said is that um, what makes us different is that we can really create more personalized treatment. Um, Ray integrates automated VR treatments and other clinically validated digital tools into like really tailored wellness plans to make um, the quality care more accessible, more affordable, and even more effective than standard telehealth or in-person therapy offerings. Um, we can use tools like Zoom and text and um, you know, things that I would normally just do in my telehealth of, okay, here's three journal prompts that I want you to do in between sessions. We have the ability to track that through an app, interact with our members, um, and be able to extract that data and, and help create a more personalized treatment plan. So that's all what's really exciting and, and how we're different. One of the key things you said is that each plan's highly personalized, highly individualized, and 
obviously like each client's case is very, very nuanced and personal. And there's so many different ways to treat them, so many different ways to aid them. And probably so many different scenarios where VR would be most useful for them. Upon my research prior to this podcast, I was watching this YouTube video called Walk, Walking with Reality. And it was featuring this uh, person with a major neurological disability. Her, his hands were kind of fixated at some point. He was on a wheelchair for most of his life. He's in his late 30s to 40s. And in the video, they're explaining how VR could give him the opportunity to go skiing again. Yeah. To be able to reimagine himself, be able to walk, to move. And despite being disabled in this video, like he was, he was in this, he had his VR headset and he was experiencing what it's like to go skiing again. And you just see his emotional reaction to being a part of the environment again. And I can't, can, I can't begin to imagine or to fathom that emotional experience of. Mm-hmm. Being like you're able to walk again and that's kind of what vr is doing bridging a gap between experience and reality and one of the reasons one of the things we have to consider is how much technology has really innovated our lives made our lives better and there's controversy between what certain texts going that, that's going on now like anything that's novel or new there's always going to be some kind of considerations to make but at the end of the day, like technology has made our life better. Without tech, I wouldn't be able to work with Tiffany from mm-hmm. New Jersey while she's in Texas. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to do this podcast with her. I wouldn't be able to help her with her website growth. And I'm sure technology has, has helped Tiffany's life as well as it helped your life, Priya. How has the landscape of technology over the last 10, 20 years, how has your experiences with tech inspired you to do the work with, you do with Ray? Yeah, well, first, I just want to acknowledge, like, I got chills thinking about um, the possibilities of what you just watched and experienced. Um, What's been really exciting for me in the last decade, um, even after we went to grad school, is we didn't have a ton of um, experience or research around neuroplasticity. Um, I don't know, Tiff, if you took a class, but there wasn't anything with neuroscience. I sort of got Mm. intrigued with that on my own and did a lot of research. And so um, what's really amazing is that, you know, the brain is is built by genes, um, but it's sculpted by experience, right? So what you just said is that this person was able to have an experience that is then changing the neurological wiring that he will have in terms of his ability um, and obviously will affect emotions. So that's really cool. I just wanted to name that. Um, and your question is, how is my experience with technology? Um, I think specifically, most, let's, let's do this chronologically most recently and then um, to most historical. Um, just in working with Ray, what's really cool is like, if I dream it, I can build it, right? So things that I thought maybe weren't possible in my normal private practice, that's traditional face-to-face, um, even things simple as like I just mentioned, like here are three journal prompts. Um, here's a place where you can record it. Here's where I can view it and look at it before our session. That in of itself could save half of a session, right? So we're doing a lot more asynchronous work to help clients get better. That's really exciting. Um, What's really exciting with working with this company is my experience as a provider for a decade and seeing folks with phobias, fears, and trauma um, can help inform what the technology and the new modules that we produce, right? So um, there's a huge overlap um, that I did research on with one of my friends, um, Candice Roan. There's a huge overlap with dentophobia, 
so fear of going to the dentist, um, severe clinical anxiety, and an overlap with um, survivors of sexual assault, mm-hmm. right? So there's not a lot of um, uh, literature on that. Um, but when I do a deep dive and I tell our design team, hey, I think there's a real overlap here. Up to 36% of Americans experience dentophobia and avoid going to the dentist, which then has all these domino effects, right? So I can come with an idea to our brilliant team of, of product designers and in two weeks it's built, right? So then they have built it out um, with a five level sessions, um, increasing the level of anxiety and activation. So that to me is what drew me to this. Um, super exciting. Um, all these little ways where you wouldn't imagine that technology can be leveraged. I mean, even things as simple as appointment reminders, right? Which most people have that already built in. Um or being able to make sure like three days after a first session, you're pinging and getting engagement from a client and asking, how are you doing? How's your sleep? Um, you know, are you feeling any difference in approaching that social situation? So that part's really exciting. Um, and I've always sort of had this hunger um, for non-traditional modes of therapy. Um, I really didn't want to be CBT in my, in, when I was in our grad program. And after like three sessions, my supervisor came out and they were like, everything you're saying is CBT. Like everything is focused on thoughts. Just roll with it. So I supplemented it with lots of other different modalities. So my interest in sort of non-traditional, potentially tech-driven has, has been there for about a decade. Um, so if we rewind a little bit, like I've been trained in EMDR, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. That's another way of being able to use, uh, you could say technology, it's digital health leverage care, right? So you've got bilateral stimulation with tappers or with noise or a light bar. Um, I'm also trained as a emotional emotional transformation therapy um, therapist, which uses light. So there's like a light box that you would use um, and um, also eye tracking. So there's always been sort of a real interest for me in seeing like what else is out there, mostly because there's so much new stuff that's always emerging um, with a, my particular focus and interest is on how can the brain heal itself, right? How can we leverage neuroplasticity? Um, my mom uh, suffered from a stroke in 2017, which like totally changed my outlook on life um, and also on like the brain's healing abilities. Um, she was nearly comatose for two weeks. Um, and now, you know, four years later, she's able to speak fluently back in English, is able to walk and talk and, and has regained about 90 plus percent of her functioning. But there's so many interesting nuances, right? So she is, um, she grew up in India and um, Hindi is her first language. And so immediately became back fluent in Hindi, but English is where she's sort of struggling, even though that's what she was using the most. So there are certainly aspects of my personal story that also make me really interested in, in the brain's ability to heal itself. Um, and I saw that with EMDR and ETT that often felt like magic. I'm putting that in air quotes um, <laughs> or woo woo. Um, but I just saw the results in my patients. Um, and there's certainly evidence that that backs that up as well. So that's what makes me really excited about VR. I mean, with EMDR therapy, there's an entire protocol around safe space. So when I heard about VR, I'm like, that would be amazing if you could build out someone's safe space mm-hmm. in virtual reality. And so when they're feeling activated or disassociating um, or um, not able to sort of come back down to baseline, if you could be able to show that in virtual reality, um, how cool and healing that could be in the brain. So um, 
Yeah. Technology has always been of interest. And I'm, I'm the first to say that I don't, I, I certainly think that human centered care is necessary. This is why I think therapists will always have a job, even when, you know, there's technology can, can, um, enable lots of stuff. But I think the possibilities of technology supplementing and enhancing our abilities of and, and really making use of that precious time that you do have that synchronous and face-to-face and one-on-one is what I'm really excited about. Um, and I've always, again, another piece of my history and background, I've been interested in technology. So I taught with, um, I'm also a teacher by trade, so I taught with Global Online Academy um, for seven years, well before teaching online was a thing of the pandemic, right? I saw the benefits of being able to really leverage the time that you're actually face-to-face, which is really less than 10% of the course, and giving folks the freedom and autonomy to do the learning and the changing on their own with some asynchronous activities. So that was a really long answer. No, that was perfect. Yeah. No, that was great. You know, first of all, thank you so much for sharing about your personal story and your personal investment in this. I know that um, you know, our personal lives have so much impact on what we do, especially as therapists. Um, I loved how, you know, you talked about kind of the evolution of your interest in technology, but alternative therapies and looking at, you know, how effective those treatments are and kind of emerging into VR therapy. Um, you also talked a lot about, um, from a, the therapist side what you guys are seeing in terms of, you know, you're able to see the app, you're able to assign, you know, that homework, you're able to have those safe spaces. What are clients kind of reporting back to y'all in that real time of what they're experiencing after sessions? Yeah, great question. Um, And we, we've got a couple quotes, I guess I could share um, that were very moving for me and, and motivating. Um, So, you know, folks have said that it's definitely pushed the limits in terms of what they thought they would be able to achieve. Um, And then it got the client past that. Right. So if you think um, like my I I personally developed a fear of getting on flights after a terrible (laughs) Disney World ride in Epcot. Um, I can't remember the name, but don't go on that ride, Uh, (laughs) especially if you're claustrophobic. and what's what's great about this is that, you know, I might have only thought that I could, you know, walk onto the plane and sort of grit and bear it for three hours. Um, and what patients are saying is like what I thought I was cognitively capable of. This is actually pushing me beyond that. Um, mm-hmm. And now that it's done, you know, after a fourth session, they're reporting that they feel better for it. Um, they've already been experience, experimenting in the weeks to see what would it be like translating that to a real life environment? Um, another member has said, you know, a benefit I wasn't expecting from the VR is how relaxed I could become during the sessions. Mm-hmm. So feeling calmer and better and better able to go on with their day afterwards, right? Therapy doesn't have to be this horrible thing where you expose all of your traumas and, and leave feeling terrible afterwards, right? Mm-hmm. That, that folks are actually reporting that they feel better. Um, you know, clients are also saying, um, you know, when I was dwelling on thoughts, um, I could immediately go into that VR training um, for sort of reducing those thoughts um, and have a guide guiding me through it rather than doing it on my own. Um, clients are also saying that they find that it's much easier to commit to regularly doing the sessions, which made it easier to apply it in everyday life. Um, 
And then another huge piece um, is that in a recently completed meta-analysis, our VR therapy, specifically for fear of heights, so Richard, the one that you were referencing earlier, um, has um, been significantly more efficacious than 19 other clinical treatments, including other VR therapies and traditional talk therapy, with patients seeing a 68% improvement in just two weeks. So that is what's really exciting. Um, and of course, we do also do sort of a more traditional aspect of talk therapy. Um, so clients have said things like, um, you know, the one that I'm working with um, has mentioned, you know, I um, saw a therapist for three years and I feel like after two sessions, I've accomplished more than I saw with that therapist for three years. So we also have VR leverage technology, but we're also hiring really high quality clinicians, right? So we're looking for clinicians that do have a growth mindset, that are open to learn, that are eager for innovative techniques, that aren't um, technology fearful or technology avoidant, um, that sort of have an openness to influence of, of seeing what technology can offer. Um, and some of the things that we're using, um, a lot of the research that's clinically validated shows that it's actually better in technology than a human doing it, right? So I think that's where I see the future is figuring out where the human connection and synchron being synchronous is really important. And then where can we actually, where can technology actually do it better? And, and how can we bring that to, to clients and patients? Well, then you just answered my next question, yeah. but I was um, going to ask you, you know, kind of where you see this future of counseling with all of this technology, but not just that, but the alternative modalities, right? And just kind of looking at um, the fusion between virtual reality and then the relationship with a the therapist. Can you just expand on that just shortly, I guess, since you've already answered part of that? Yeah, I think um, not only the the opportunities of, of, there are certain things that technology just can do better. Um, but also for me, especially in the pandemic and seeing the level of isolation and the number of people, like probably almost every single one of my friends um, or family members was like, I need to see a therapist. <laughs> and me trying to navigate yeah. that with them and for them. And I have really, really high expectations. Um, so empowering them with the information of, of who they should be looking for and, and that they can actually ask for what they want in therapy. For me, the most exciting thing about Ray is that we can build this to scale to actually meet the demands, right? Um, so this helps people have access to higher quality healthcare that's much more affordable as well. Um, you know, the CDC said in June 2020 that 40% of adults uh, reported struggling with mental health or substance use, and, and we just simply don't have the clinical resources to treat all of those patients um, in a traditional talk therapy modality. Plus, it's ex extremely time-consuming, um, the travel time and sitting down and, um, and and increasing the access to care, I think, is what's really exciting. The reality is there will never be enough high-quality providers to meet the growing demand for these mental health services. Um, and so unlike in-person and teletherapy that, res that, that relies on those same providers, we're able to scale. So that's really exciting. That's where I see the future is being able to scale. Um, you know, I want everyone who wants to see a therapist to be able to have access to seeing a therapist. And yeah. I know, Tiffany, you share that as well. Um, and then the other piece is that we can get, we can collect more data, we can create more personalized treatments. So integrating those clinically validated digital tools to make more tailored um, healthcare plans is, is sort of where I see the future. Um, and, you know, 
having a VR um, headset in your home might be as common as having a, a smartphone within the next three to five years. So I think that access point too, of being able to leverage stuff that people are already using, whether it be recreationally or, or for, for exercise, to be able to use that also to take good care of your, of your brain, I think is also really exciting. So right. um, yeah, I see that sort of as the future. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know Richard and I both have a thousand other questions for, for sure. And we would love to have you back. Um, Richard, do you have anything that you kind of want to wrap up to say? Yeah, I have like a hundred more questions to ask. <laughs> I have like a hundred more even after this discussion, <laughs> but I'm really happy to see how far technology has gone because in my research that I've done, it's all been really positive. And I'm sure there's always like risks to consider when you have to like integrate with high advanced technology with in-person experiences because you do have to be careful with mental health issues with ethical ethical considerations with operation costs because i'm sure like running a business at ray does take a lot of costs because i was looking at like some of the information brian on linkedin you know you have Optin ventures and mm -hmm. oxford sciences innovation investing a whole lot of money into organization organization like ray or the oxford vr I'm sure there's like a whole lot of money being poured in, but also a lot of this for the advancement of technology, for the advancement of telehealth, for the advancement of just humanity in general. And I agree that there is more demand of mental health services than there is supply. Mm -hmm. And be able to automate that, be able to make it more easier, and be able to provide quality care is definitely important. And one thing I am excited about is once VR technology and hardware starts being sold at retail online so that way people can experience VR, VR therapy more readily more easily and just to have better access to care so thank you for your work and thank you for your time with us it means yeah. a lot to me I hope to do this again absolutely I would love to come back well, we would love to have you. And, you know, um, you know, Priya, the last thing we want to do is we want to make sure that people can find you guys. We talked a lot about access. So obviously we want to make sure that um, they know where to access you. So and access Ray, um, can you just kind of give us some points of contact? Absolutely. So um, as you probably gathered now, Ray um, is sort of a home care model. So we empower our members to work through their digital care program and schedule telehealth visits with their care team from the comfort of their own home. So um, we start that by having an initial complimentary 15-minute um, video visit um, within 48 hours of sign-up. And you can sign up at getray.com, G-E-T-R-E-Y.com. Um, and then sort of look at it, pop around and see what you think. Um, you'll see that BBC clip that, that Richard talked about um, and then be able to, to get your needs quickly assessed on that 15-minute video visit. Um, there's also a phone number on that website where you could call or text if you have any questions. Um, and certainly you can find me on LinkedIn if you want, Priya Singhvi, um, S-I-N-G-H-V-I. Um, I'm also on Instagram as Meaningful Minds um, and Twitter as Meaningful Minds with an X because the S was taken. So that's M-E-A-N-I-N-G-F-U-L-M-I-N-D-S. Um, you can also, I'm, I'm one of the only few Prius Singhvis out there. So you can probably just Google search me. I'm happy to answer any questions um, for folks that are interested. 
Great. Awesome. Thank you so much. Richard, where can we find you? So you'll find links to Priya's social and her website in the description down below. And you're also able to find me on my personal website at www.wellroundedstudios.com. You're also able to follow me on my social. All that will be provided with links in the description down below. Tiffany, where can we find you? Um, Well, you can find me on moodcollab.com. I am the clinical director and owner of Mood Wellness Collaborative in Connecticut. And um, you can also find me on the blog. We are blogging about last week's podcast about the Olympics and mental health. Um, And then um, you can find me at tiffanywicks.com, all my other adventures. So um, (laughs) thank you again, Priya, for being here. We are just so honored that you would spend the time and tell us a little bit more about the future of therapy, which is so exciting. Um, And we are just glad that thank you so much for listening to us and just taking the time to listen to our podcast. You have listened to Mood Unfiltered.